Good morning. morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Conklin. My name is Jeff. I have the privilege of serving as one of the campus pastors here at this campus. Uh, Pastor Tim is away today. He is preaching in Halstead. And the reason he's preaching in Halstead is because Pastor Matt is preaching in Montrose. And the reason Pastor Matt is in Montrose is because Pastor Bob and Pastor Josh are on vacation. So, you know those little squares, we got like 25 spots and 24 pieces and you slide them all around. So you guys get stuck with me. So there you go. <laughs> but I am just thrilled that to serve on a, on a team, on a church that has the ability and has pastors that uh, they can step in and fill spots. And I'm thrilled to serve here with you guys here at Conklin. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 in your hard copy. If you don't have a hard copy of God's Word, we have them back at the welcome desk. They're free to take. Or if you have an, an iPhone, Kevin Harding, if you have an iPhone, you can bring it up on your electronic device. We will get there in just a few minutes. Uh, but I just want to get you turning there now. As for dad jokes, so I got to share a couple with mine. mine one of mine is in, um, is in uh, honor of my wife. Why do nurses like red crayons? Sometimes they have to draw blood. Okay, uh, why can't you see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're good at it. So, you'll get it later on. In seriousness, no, uh, Mason mentioned this. Uh, we are celebrating fathers, and, uh, but there may be somebody here who's uh, struggling. This is a hard day for you. Maybe your dad passed away recently. Maybe you passed away a long time ago. You still think of him. Maybe it's, you're not a dad yet, and, and you know, you're trying real hard, but God hasn't blessed you with that, with that gift yet. Or maybe you haven't had a good relationship with your dad, and you're estranged, and you haven't talked in several years, several months, whatever it's been. However, and Father's Day is hard for you. Well, it's my prayer today that your heart would be encouraged by this reminder that God is our Father. He is a great father. Psalms 18 says that he, his ways are perfect. In Deuteronomy 32, we learn that God is faithful, he does no wrong, and he is upright. He is the best dad, the best father any of us could ever have. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the dads that are represented in the room. We pray for those uh, who wish they were dads or having struggles like we just mentioned. Encourage them today. I pray, Father, that the things we talk about from your word today will be an encouragement to all of us here. In Christ's name, amen. We're in the fourth week of our relationship series, Relationship Goals, and we're examining God's word every week. We want to see how, what he has to say about different stages of life that we're in and different stages of relationships. Three weeks ago, Pastor Tim talked about and preached about singleness. Two weeks ago, it was Pastor Joel and dating. Yes, last week was marriage. And today on Father's Day, we're going to hit parenting. Parenting. So it's my desire, it's our desire through this entire series that as we look at God's word each week, we get a clearer picture of what God has designed, not only for us as fathers today, but for as parents as well. So I want to start today, and I want to share an, um, a story from my, one of my wilderness trips. Many of you know that I, I do wilderness trips in Canada for those of you just attending, I do wilderness trips in Canada. <laughs> Surprise. Um, I didn't want that picture yet, but leave it up. 
So here's the deal. It was in 2004 that this group of guys, I took this group of men uh, to Canada. They were so somewhat experienced. There were five of us. Uh, you, can you can tell this is me. This is my father. This is my brother-in-law. This is a friend of mine, Jim, and the, this is Paul. I led tr Paul to Christ on my first day as youth pastor. It was pretty cool. But uh, we were there in Canada. There were five of us. We were somewhat experienced. Um, but my, uns my unspoken agenda for the week was this. We wanted to get to know each other. We wanted to have some fun around the campfire. Uh, we, and uh, we wanted to strengthen our relationship. But more importantly, we wanted to stay warm and dry. We wanted to stay warm and dry. So here's a picture of the Algonquin Pro Providence. Next slide, please. This is a blow-up picture of it. So this is, next slide, please. You see I got yellow markers down here and down here. I'm, I'm a visual learner, so I wanted to put this up there so you could see it. It used Normally, base camp was over here at Victoria Lake, and we'd come into the park and come up in here and do a loop and go back. Okay, pretty simple. Well, I wanted to ramp the tension up a bit, so I had the, I had, uh, the leaders drop us off two hours away at Canoe Lake, and we did a one-way trip where we dropped, got dropped off here. We came up through this way into Big Trout and down and went over. It's about 80 miles or so. I wanted to ramp up the tension a little bit. So that's what we did. So, um, I mean, I'd been in the park several times before. I mean, seriously, how hard could it be? We're just canoeing and carrying our canoes and backpacking and building fires and eating food around a campfire. It was going to be great. Piece of cake. Well, God had a different agenda in mind. Um, he had something that he needed to work on in my life, in my heart, and in the guys as well. So it was about day two or day three. We were uh, actually headed up through the grassy bay into white trout, into big, into big trout, and he had a storm come up on us. And I'm telling you what, it was, it was probably like the storm when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee and he was sleeping in the boat. It was driving wind. It was going sideways. Uh, three to five foot waves, you think, well, that's not a big deal. When you're in a canoe with only eight inches clearance on the side, it was a big deal. And we were, uh, they were, they were worried. And, and uh, so we decided to stop early, a couple hours early from where we wanted to be. And that night around the campfire, the guys' questions were a lot different than they had been and what they were going to continue to be. What are we going to do? We got to go back. We got to go, we got to go back. And I said, we can't go back. There's nobody there. Well, come on, we got to turn around. Are we going to be safe? Is everything going to obey? Can we make it? What happens if? And I'm just like, you know something, guys? Yeah. As I think back on that moment, I'm reminded of how much like life that day on the lake is. How much like parenting, getting that group through the storm safely is. Check out this slide here. Next slide. Life cannot be controlled. It cannot be contained. No matter what we put in place, no matter what we try to do, we cannot stop life from happening. We cannot keep difficulties and challenges and struggles and issues and hurts from coming into our life. We cannot control the events of our life. And since that is true, try as we might, we certainly cannot keep those same things from touching our children's lives. We can't. It occurred to me on the lake that day that ready or not, trouble was coming for our group. I could not magically give them more skills in the moment. I could not control their paddling. I could not take them out of the canoe and put myself in the canoe and, and get, make it better for them. The only thing I could control, the only thing that I could control was how I responded to my group. I could control my thoughts, my words, my actions, that's it. My response to the guys at that time would either hurt them or help them, help them what they were experiencing at that moment. 
So I needed to determine what they needed the most in that moment. What kind of leader would I be, could I be, should I be when we're going through that type of moment? Because, you know, something, my leadership ability would help them not only survive what's going on right then, but also would better equip them for what might be coming down the road soon in their life, whether on the lake or somewhere else in life. How could I help them? How will I help them learn from their mistakes and wrong choices out in the boat that would encourage them to stay with it and to endure? Next slide, please. I could not stop what they were facing, nor could I remove them from the situation. I couldn't. We're out in the middle of this lake. See, I think as parents, we spend all kinds of time, all kinds of energy, all kinds of effort trying to prevent our kids from experiencing difficult situations and messing up. We put all kinds of energy into shielding them. But the truth is, they're going to mess up. The truth is... Some, there's life's going to happen and they're going to experience something that they had no control over. It wasn't because of a bad choice. You know something? We're going to experience those things as well. So our goal cannot be to stop the inevitable. It can't be to stop those troubles from coming, but it's, our goal should be to love them through it and lead them to Jesus in the process. See, of course, we want to try to prevent the catastrophic, the life-altering or life-ending choices that they may make. We want to we make sure that they don't do those types of things. And I get it. I do, too. But you know something? Life is difficult, and trying to navigate through its storms is so very challenging. You see, on the day, that day on the lake, God's goals were way different than mine. His goals weren't along the lines of my comfort, me keeping warm and dry, and lack of stress. You know, he was after my heart. He was after the heart of the guys in the group with me. And he was going to do what he needed to do to expose our hearts so he could do his good work in there. See, our goals need to be how to love and lead our children while we have them. The truth is this. You're on a journey, and so are they. Perhaps they're in your canoe or they're in your canoe group. And for a while, you're on that journey with them. You get to walk alongside of them together no matter where it takes you. So a question you may need to ask yourself is, what do they need from me right now on this journey that will help them in the future? What can I give them so they can succeed when they're out of my house and on their own? Because like it or not, life happens. So here's the question we're going to answer today. Next slide. What do our children need from their, what do children need from their parents as they face the realities of life? What do children need from their parents? What do your kids need from you? when they face the realities of life. So we're going to go to a passage of scripture today to answer this question that is not probably not in any parenting books at all. When I counsel parents through hard times with kids, I rarely, if ever, take them to this passage of scripture. This passage reminds us that people make sinful choices. It's not a matter of if they will, but how to deal with it when they do. And we're going to take this passage of scripture and we're going to look at it through the lens of parenting. And I hope and pray that it will impact you, fathers and parents, the way that it impacted me as I was processing through it. What do we do, we who are sinful, when our children sin? Because guess what? They're going to sin, and they do. And what does God say about it? So we're going to answer those questions today here on Father's Day. You should already be in Galatians chapter 6. Uh, verse 1 is here on the screen. Let's get started. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. 
So the first point that we're going to make today is this. Children need parents who love Jesus. Next slide, please. The next, in, the, in the text, it says, who live by the Spirit. So let me just make a little clarification here. Normally, we, we, try to, we always try to make our, our points match what's in the text, live by the Spirit. So a person who lives by the Spirit or is spiritual loves Jesus. So that's why we use the phrase, children need parents who love Jesus. So for our study today, we're talking about spiritual people, people who live by the Spirit. They're people who love Jesus. So just understand it as we work through it. But I want you to notice what Paul says here. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he simply addresses the presence of sin in people's lives. This phrase right here, someone is caught in a sin, that gives the idea. That's not something, oh, it's surprised, it's, we're surprised that they did it. No, this carries the idea of, hey, it's, it's already there, and we just noticed it. It's not if sin happens, but when, when sin happens. And guess what? Newsflash, our kids sin. Yeah, and so do we. And if you're a parent, you probably already know this. Psalms 51.5 says this. Surely I was sinful at birth from the time of my mother, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Romans 3.23 says we all have sinned. We all have sinned. Here's an important statement. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this next one down. Our children's sin is the starting point to introduce them to Jesus. As parents, we, we want opportunities to introduce our kids to, to Jesus. Our children's sin is a starting point to introduce them to Jesus. And good news, they're going to sin. You know it and I know it. Just like us, our children sin. So just like the storm on the lake that day, there's nothing I could do to keep those guys from those struggles. Nothing I could do to prevent them from getting wet and having fear in the lake. But how I handled it was key. How we handle it as parents is key. See, we have the privilege of walking our kids through the process of grace and forgiveness and repentance. And we only are able to do that because they sin. If they didn't sin, it would be tough to do. See, the sad reality is that as parents, we don't always handle our kids' sin in a helpful or even godly way. Sometimes as parents, we simply overlook their sin because, well, I, I'm a sinner. How can, I, how can I challenge my son or my daughter for sinning when I do the same thing? Maybe we're lazy. Maybe we overlook it. Sometimes we just simply expose it and walk away. Or maybe you're like me where you come down heavy on them and you take the Bible, so to speak, and you beat them over the head and you, I'm just going to scare the sin out of you. And that's... That will hinder their growth. See, as a Christ follower, parents who love Jesus, this is what we need to do. Next slide says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught into sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who love Jesus, should restore. Restore their children. This carries the idea to set a joint, like a dislocated or broken bone. And it also tells us how to do it. Next slide shows we are to do it gently. So set the broken bone, restore what is broken gently. Now, guys, this is hard for us. Uh, very rarely do we do things gently, probably. This word gentle carries the idea of meekness, a spirit of meekness. What is meekness? Meekness is power under control. Power under control. So you saw that picture of that guy hanging there for the cliffhanger? That was me, by the way. So, um, so think of a big muscle-bound guy helping his daughter put in earrings, power under control, or changing a diaper. I have a, a motorcycle here on the platform, and uh, 
Uh, no, not yet. Um, <laughs> and this, this reminds me of Power Under Control. This was given to me by the Vestal Campus when I left four years ago to come here. Well, my grandson Mikey loves motorcycles. Papa's cycle, Papa's cycle. This is in the room where he gets his diaper changed. And he wants to play with it in the worst way. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I pick him up and walk him over to him. I said, Michael, you got to be gentle. One finger. So he's able to touch it with one finger. That's how he touches Papa's cycle. That is power under control, meekness, because that little boy could tear that apart. So let's bring this all together. A spiritual person, someone who lives by the Spirit, should restore, should gently, with a spirit of weakness, power under control, restore that person. Restore to what? Well, we're talking about restoring the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's broken when somebody is caught in a sin, the relationship with Jesus Christ. So a parent should gently, power under control, help the child restore the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it means. Let me expand on it a bit and bring it a little closer to home so your toes might get stepped on here. As we are gently restoring our child's relationship with Jesus, here's what we need to be conscious of, that you don't have immunity from sin, that I don't have immunity from sin. We're susceptible to sin just like they are. And we could be sitting there having someone restore our relationship just as easy as it is as they are. So I have an illustration here. I'm going to ask my buddy Luke to come up here. I asked him while we were singing, he's like, oh, okay, sure. Luke, come on up here. And I want you to sit in that chair right there. Okay, so Luke has sinned, and I'm going to restore him. And this is how sometimes we as parents come across to our kids. We, get, we are really hammering down on them. You couldn't have, and why did you? And how do you feel me towering over you? Intimidated, right? And this is how we as parents sometimes come across. We intimidate our kids. What if we did this? We came alongside them. And perhaps the restoration is, you know something, Luke? I remember a time in my life where I did the exact same thing. I sinned just the way you did. And you would not believe what your grandfather did to me that day. What if we conveyed to them that we're more like them than unlike them? It's like we're sitting there next to them with our arm around them and encouraging them. How would your posture and attitude change when dealing with sin in your child's life when it's like this instead of towering over them? That's what Jesus wants. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Give Luke a hand. You see, in a very real sense, Paul shows us and tells us that a willingness to restore your child gently, remembering that you sin as well, is a test of spirituality, is a test of your love. When we're sitting next to them, they understand and they're just like me. We need, to, we need to get them to understand that they're just like me, that they're just like, we're just, we're the same. See, a spiritual person does not turn his back on or ignore his child's sins. They come alongside, they put their arm around, and they gently restore that relationship with Christ. So how do we make sure that we know, how do we make sure that we're a spiritual person, that when it's time to restore? How do we know when they need us? By, we need to be by staying engaged in our lives. We cannot simply coexist with our children. We have to be engaged with their, with their lives. Next point is this. Children need parents who are engaged in their lives. Look at verse 2. 
carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You see, the first point was our children need kids, excuse me, our kids need parents who love Jesus and will gently restore the relationship with that attitude of, I, I'm just like you. So how do we do that? How we keep st we stay, we, we have to stay engaged. Then it's obvious. See, there will be pressures, there will be challenges in life as life presses in. There's going to be temptations that will oppress them. There's going to be emotions that will depress them. And this is what Paul is referring to in verse 2. So to answer the question, how do we help our kids through these things, through these burdens of life, let's look at the verse again. Carry each other's burdens. Parents, children need parents who are engaged, who are there for them, who are willing to spend time coaching them. So let me pause here for just a moment. This engaging is very similar to coaching. I coached uh, girls varsity soccer in high school for several years. And as I was processing through and preparing this, this engaging is just like coaching. So I'm going to use the word coaching and engaging, interchanging here. So the text is, children need parents who carry, help carry their burdens. Parents engage by bearing, by bearing their burdens, by walking alongside of them through those different issues in life. So here's the deal. We cannot live their lives for them. Just like when I was a soccer coach, and I'm sure many of you coached your son's t-ball league or soccer team, whatever. You know something? We could not go in the game and play for them. We could not. But as a coach, you, you know what I did. I spent hours coaching the, my, my team, the girls, on what to do, on how to be in better shape, on how to handle the ball better. And then before the game, we look at the team that's coming in. Okay, they got this player. We got to mark her. We got to make sure this. We got to defend here. We got to do all kinds of things. And we worked really hard to prepare the team for the team that was coming in, for the, for the tension they were about to get into. And then the game happened, and guess what? I sent them into the game. And they could do anything they wanted. And all I could do was stand on the sidelines and fold my hands and watch. Now, I could yell up and, hey, you know, I got, I got a loud voice. And they would um, sometimes listen, sometimes they wouldn't. Let's bring it to home. Fathers, there are situations that your kids are going to get in that they need your coaching. Your daughter's going to go on a date sometime. Your son and daughter's going to have a driver's test. Um, all kinds of things. So you need to coach them. We need to coach them to prepare them for what's going to happen on that first date. After they failed a test, when they didn't make the team, when they had an argument with their best friend. We can't be there for them, but guess what? We need to be there for them when they come off the field. When they come home after the first date, or they come home after they got a speeding ticket for the first time, or whatever it is. We need to be engaged. We need to be coaching and say, hey, listen, here's some things to think about. What did you think about this, and how did you handle this, and why did you do it this way? Let me also just jump in here and say, on my social media page on Facebook, I'm going to post a video from Paul David Tripp. He's got an awesome video about some of the questions we didn't have time to answer today. Uh, look it up. It, it's really worth it. But we need to coach, and we need to be engaged with what's going on in their lives. Be engaged. Be there for them carrying the burden help them understand that you know that help them understand that you understand see just like that day on the lake in Algonquin I could not remove them from the storm but you better believe I was working hard to make sure they got it through it safely sure it would have been great if God would have stopped the rain it would have been great if we got out of those tensions but you know something that would have short-circuited those guys learning the same is true for our kids 
if your child has a struggle with a, t- with a parent, or excuse me, a teacher, and you walk in there and you let the teacher know who's who and what's what and pull your child out of that class, you're defeating something that God may be wanting to do in their lives. Maybe they got a coach and you want that kid to play and, and that coach is spencing your kid for some known reason. Maybe God's doing something in your child's heart that you don't know. If you get in there and we pull them out of that tension, we pull them out, we, we rescue them, we may be short-circuiting that learning that God has for them. Same is true for us when we try to get out of tension in our lives. So, so, see, they're certainly going to encounter another situation in their life when you're not going to be able to rush in and be the rescuer. And they need to know how to endure. They need to know how to get through it the proper way, be strengthened and educated by the wind, by the tension, by the circumstances. They need to be better equipped for the next time. So parents, our goal should not be to keep those trials and struggles from our kids because we can't do it. Our goal should be there to walk with them through it, to coach them when they come off the field so they know how to handle those trials and burdens better for the next time. And it's so difficult to see your child crying because of a teacher or a coach or a best friend or something like that. We all, man, we just want to jump in there and help them, but man, that would just short-circuit that learning. We got to coach them through. We got to engage. We have to carry their burdens with them, not take it away from them. And Paul points out a couple of ways that we can hurt this process. Look in the next verse here. If anyone thinks that they're something that they are not, they are, they deceive themselves. See, if someone, this verse means this, basically, don't be conceited. We can't effectively help our kids when we think we're more than we really are. We think we're more than we should be. See, our own arrogance, well, I can handle this, and I should, you should do it this way. Our own, our own arrogance can keep them, can keep us from learning, can keep them from learning. Also, look at verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. See, we run into self-doubt or overconfidence when we compare ourselves to someone else. We hinder our ability to help them, to come alongside them when we, when we make these comparisons. You see, parents, it's vital and necessary for us to stay informed and in touch and engaged. If you're uninformed with what's happening with your kids' lives, don't let it be because you didn't ask. Let it be because they didn't want to share it with you. That's the only reason why. So on a side note, let me, let me share this with you. You don't have as much time left with your kids as you think. This is something else that I didn't have time, but I just want to put it in here. Next slide, please. These numbers represent how many Saturdays you have left with your child, generally speaking. So you have a newborn child, you have just under 900 weeks or Saturdays before they graduate from high school. Five years old, you have 628 weeks before they graduate from high school. First grade, sixth grade, ninth grade, 11th grade. There are some parents in this room that have less than a week left before their child graduates from high school and moves on to adult life. So think about how much time you have left to invest in your child, how many Saturdays you have left. The time is short. The friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine from Rochester, he actually has a three jars for his three daughters, and he puts marbles in them. And he started with 160 marbles in each jar, and each week he threw out one. 
throughout one. There were different, great, different ages, but, and it was a visual reminder of how much time he has left with his daughters. You know, there are some parents in this room that don't have any marbles left. Their ch children are graduating next Friday. There are some here, I'm looking over here, you've got about 800 weeks left. My grandson, he's two, you know, got about 800 whatever. Time is short. Rabbit trail over. Okay, let's keep, continue on. Listen, you've made it down the trail this far on, with help. Help them as well. You can help them run the race by encouraging them and being there with them because you're farther down the trail than they are. Discipleship. One of the things that I preach and hammer on in Canada is when we get to the end of a lake, we got a portage to the next lake. We put the backpack on our backs, canoes on our shoulders, and go down the trail. And it's so easy to get down to the end of the trail and take off the backpack and take off the canoe and sit down and rest because it's so tiring. And I tell you what, that canoe sits on that back little bump on your neck and it hurts. And this is what I encourage them. Take it off and go back and walk alongside the per person who's behind you and carry the burden with them. Because guess what? You've already been down the trail. What's the next slide, AJ? Okay, that's, we'll get that in just a moment. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what you need to do with your kids is go back and walk the trail with them because you know where the roots are. You know where the potholes are. You know where the hard times are. That's what discipleship. Hebrews 12.1 says this. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Use them. Use them. Parents, fathers, we got to stay engaged, period. Guys, we tend to be the ones that struggle with this. Our tendency is to drift towards passiveness, just being present and not being engaged. And here's an example of how you or I might be passive and not be engaged with your kids. Think about the last vacation or hunting or fishing trip that you took. Think about the last sales meeting, the last sales goals you tried to meet, or the building you built. How much time and energy did you put into that vacation or into that building or into those sales goals? You put hours and hours and hours to make sure everything was in place to make sure that it succeeded. Now compare that to how much energy and time you put into making sure your child loves Jesus and, and, ends life and goes through life successful. How does it compare? Guys, we have to flip the script and intentionally get engage in our children's lives. And parents, don't let your sin from the past and the mistakes you made paralyze you from restoring your kids to a relationship with Christ. Your experiences could be the catalyst that what will bring them to Christ. And we don't need to fake it. We don't need to fake it. See, that's the next quality I want to share with you. Children need parents who are real with them. Children need parents who are real with them. Let's look at the next verse here. For each one should carry their own load. In other words, don't regret the choices. Don't regret the experiences that God has brought you through. Now, the meeting here is a bit obscure. Carry their own load. It carries the idea of carry what's in your pack. In other words, don't try to be someone or something that you're not. Let me explain it to you this way. Think about the last time you went to Wegmans, Walmart, or Weiss to buy groceries. One of those W stores. And you're in that store, and there's this child who's having a major meltdown, screaming and hollering and kicking because mom or dad said no. Right? You guys know who, who I'm talking about? If you don't know who I'm talking about, that means you're probably it. Okay, I'm just saying. 
Now, I want you to consider the other family, the family that has 15 kids and all of them behave really, really well. They're super behaved. There's a family of Vestal named the Slaters. They have eight kids. They're close dear friends of mine. They are the best behaved kids I've ever had the privilege of knowing. Okay, now think about that family. Let's go back to the verse. Next slide, please. Nope, sorry, go back. I apologize. No, sorry. This is my fault, not AJ's fault. Just trust me. No, go back, go back. Keep going back. Right there. Okay, think about that family. Sorry, AJ, my my fault. Think about that family that is well-behaved. Each one should carry their own load. What the idea is here is don't try to be someone or something that you're not. So when you see that family that's well-behaved, often we tend to say, if only, I wish, how come, why aren't you? Or we tend to say, if I had only raised you better, if I had only done this, you start comparing, you start doing these things. It's so easy to do. And Paul is saying, no, carry your own load. You've got life choices. You've made decisions and choices that God has brought you through. That's all you need to parent well. All you, that you have all you need to restore your kids. You have all you need to engage with your kids. There's no reason for a do-over. Continue to pursue Jesus. Continue to grow spiritually. Continue to carry what's in your own pack. Don't wish you did something different because that's not what God has for you. You don't ignore your past. Don't ignore the things that you've done. Listen, as a Christ follower, you have all that you need. Sure, there's going to be times that you failed, but the resources for success are still there for you. See, today we've looked at this passage of Scripture that challenges us to be spiritual, to love Jesus, and to come alongside and engage and coach our kids without ignoring or faking who you are. Maybe you're here today and you're and you're learning for the first time that, man, Christ followers are just like me. They have struggles. They have hard times. They sin. They're not holier than thou, although some of us act like that. They're on a journey just like I am. Maybe you need to follow Christ yourself. You see, Jesus Christ wants you to follow him, and maybe you're learning today that I don't have a relationship with him, and that would be something that would be beneficial. That would that'd be something that, that you need. <laughs> so, guys... For that matter, every parent in the room, the stage has been set. Your kids will sin, and you've got to gently restore them. You've got to be spiritual to do this. You have to love Jesus. We need to be engaged. We need to coach those kids. Life is hard, and life is difficult. We can't remove them from every situation, but we, and we also need to be real. You've got a story to tell. You've got a story that God, that God has brought you through. Use it. God gave it to you for a reason. You know something? That son or daughter that you have that you're thinking about right now, God knew that he needed you as his, as his mother or father. He knew that everything you were going to go through was going to help that kid to be exactly who he needs to be. Sure, they're painful. Sure, they're hard to go through. But God is a redeeming God, and he will use those things in your life. So if some of you are wondering, what about happened in Algonquin? Well, we stopped early. I, we sat around a campfire, and I said, guys, go to your tents and pray. Go to your tents and pray. You know something? I went to my tent, and I prayed. I prayed that God would help me lead these, these, these guys. How many times have you prayed through the night for your child? That's what I did that night. The next day we got up, the sky was clear, the sun was shining, and every lake we got off, the wind was at our back. And this is a picture of us when we got to base camp. We got back to Lake Victoria. We made, we made it. So the question isn't, 
what can we do when we have struggles in life? The question is, what will we do? So here's my question for you as we wrap it up. What do you need to work on this week? Do you need to work on the spiritual aspect of your life? Do you need to develop a better relationship with Christ? Maybe it's your engagement. Maybe it's your coaching. Maybe that's something you need to work on. Be more engaged with your kids because time is short. Or maybe you need to lean into your life experiences and not wish them away. See, God can use what he has brought you through to help make you an incredibly effective parent for your children. Would you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I pray for fathers that are here in the room right now. I pray for some who are, who are struggling because they haven't made the choices that they know that they should be making. I pray, God, that you would uh, encourage them. Help us to be engaged with our kids. Help us to know that even though we've made some pretty awful choices, that you can use those choices to bring our kids to a saving knowledge of you. Help us to be engaged. Help us to be real. Help us to love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.